0: I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean, Kimmel, Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards. Gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards. Now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Godfather Nate Milton. And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, show me your basketball cards. In the spirit of the great names of the past, like Dikembe Mutumbo, and not Michael Jordan, but Baby Jordan, Harold Minor. Drazin, Arvidas, J.R. Ryder bringing that East Bay funk. I bring to you the man who met World Be Free and Danny Ferry, your host, and my brother, Zaire, also known as Bandana Z. We are back on another episode of My Basketball Cards. I'm your host, Bandana Energy, a.k.a. Zaire. Big shout-out to Paris Alexa, singer of the theme song. You can check her out. Too Real is the name of her latest album. You can check it out on all streaming platforms. And also a big shout-out to my man, Nate Milton, for the introduction of me. Yeah. So, on this episode, man, we go further down the 1980-81 Tops Basketball Cards Series. Um, Here we got three players, like every card has, three players on one card. Three mini cards make up one card. We got Don Ford, we got Marcus Johnson, and Bob McAdoo. Talk about some names. Um, Of course, Bob McAdoo, a Hall of Fame basketball player who um, basketball enthusiasts definitely know and definitely adore. Um, He's one of those guys like Grant Hill um, is like a recent guy like this where you wonder what would have happened had injuries not gotten the best of him. Uh Bob McAdoo definitely went on to accomplish some great feats despite his injuries, but you know, at the beginning of his career, he was looking like the best basketball player walking the earth. And uh <laughs> then uh some things kind of went south uh injury-wise, and he couldn't quite be the player that he once was, but he did go along um, and have a lengthy career, and 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 actually um, participate in a couple NBA championships. Marcus Johnson, Don Ford, once again, other players that are mentioned. Marcus Johnson definitely was an all-star in his time. So we're going to talk about these players once again for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, focusing on the pre-NBA boom during this series um, or season, I should say. I've been saying series a lot, but it is a series uh, for, the, for that card um, collection um, released by Topps from 81, 1980 to 1981. So let's dig into it. First off, we're going to start off with Don Ford. Now, Don Ford And he was not a star at all, okay? (laughs) He is a player that you definitely probably have never heard of. Uh, He had a career that lasted from 1975 to 1982, playing with the Los Angeles Lakers as a rookie. That was his best statistical season, where he averaged 9.6 points per game, grabbed 4.4 rebounds per game, uh, shot forty three percent from the field. His shooting numbers would definitely improve throughout his career, but his scoring averages never did. He was a small forward slash power forward. at six foot nine, drafted in the sixth round of the nineteen seventy five draft by the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, nineteen seventy five draft man. Let me tell you, like these days, the NBA draft is only two rounds. It's been like that probably since um, maybe the since nineteen ninety maybe. Um, and these days, you know, it's hard to imagine six rounds in the NBA draft, but once upon a time, that was a real thing. And the cool thing is about during that time period, you could actually find, um, good players in later rounds that would like help you win, um, (laughs) and actually put up good numbers. Mm. These days, you know, it seems like if you're a late second rounder, maybe you're a star. I mean, maybe maybe you got some, you know, potential, but chances are you probably aren't going to be a star. But it doesn't mean you won't. Um, it's just less likely. But, yeah. Um, so, in the sixth round, we can look and check out and see if anybody. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> the sixth round. My goodness goodness, um, Uh, (laughs) ugh, sorry. (laughs) It's not much um, in the sixth round, but you got Don Ford actually is the one of the guys that kind of made it out of that late round. Um, Let's see who the last guy drafted that actually played an NBA game in that draft. uh, Terry Thomas was drafted 151st, ninth round, 7th pick by Detroit. And he played one season, 28 games in 75-76, so good for him. But yeah, Don Ford was drafted. In that draft, actually, you had um, some quality players that, that came out. David Thompson uh, was drafted number one uh, with the 22nd. Uh, or he averages 22.1 points for his whole career in eight years. The World Be Free played 13 years, averaged 20.3 points per game. Another really good player, Gus Williams, played 11 seasons, 17.1 points per game. Dan Robinfield, uh 11 seasons, 15.2 points per game. You got Alvin Adams, who we mentioned in a previous episode, 14.1 points per game, 13 NBA seasons. Let's see who played the longest out of this group of guys. It was Daryl Dawkins. Daryl Dawkins, who came straight out of high school, played 14 NBA seasons, uh, averaged 12 points per game, six rebounds, played 726 games, but he went from uh, 75, 76 season where he was 19 years old, And his final NBA game was in 88-89. He actually played pro ball until he was 37, retiring during the 93-94 season. Um, His last few years in the NBA were like not uh, eventful at all. He played a handful of games in like his last three seasons. Um, And I always wondered if he got an NBA championship because he was on the roster with Detroit, but I don't know I think they may have I don't know if they cut him before the season ended. Yeah, he was cut um before the season ended, so I don't think he got a championship ring. But he was on that team that ended up winning a championship. I wonder why he couldn't just stick around. Maybe he just didn't want to sit the bench anymore. Maybe they just felt like enough of Daryl Dawkins. R I P the late Daryl Dawkins who was very entertaining as a basketball player. Um, with things that he would say in his powerful dunks. Now, this is about Don Ford. We have not, we have talked very little about Don Ford. Uh, but Don Ford was a role player for his uh, time in the NBA. Once again, playing from the 75-76 season to the 81-82 season, he played his first three, four, four full seasons with the Los Angeles Lakers in um he was traded. Uh, That's the year that Magic was a rookie. He was traded after 52 games of playing with the Lakers that year. He averaged three points per game, went to Cleveland, played 21 games in 79-80, and averaged 7.3 points per game with Cleveland. And after that, the final two years of his career, uh, 80-81, he averaged 3.5 points per game and 1.1 point per game. With the Cavaliers in his final year, playing 21 games. Uh, let's see what's up with this. Um, so he was drafted by the Lakers, sixth round, 1975 draft. Uh, February 15th, 1980, he was traded by the Lakers with a first round pick, uh, which ended up becoming Chad Kinch. Anybody ever heard of Chad Kinch? No. And the reason why is because he only played in the NBA for one year, 41 games with the Cavs and the Mavericks. He was a first-round pick, number 22 of the 1980 draft out of UNC Charlotte. Uh, never heard of him, but um, had a good career at UNC Charlotte, though. Um, so maybe we'll come across a card of Chat Kinch someday, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, he was traded for Cat- Chad Kinch. Or actually traded for, okay, by the Lakers with a 1980 first round pick, which ended up becoming Chad Kinch. In return, the Cavaliers sent Butch Lee and a first round pick that became James Worthy to the Lakers. All right, let's stop for a second. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um. Always been a Celtics fan, but was a Cavs fan for the first part of my life till I was about maybe 22. I don't know. But anyway, check this out. (laughs) Okay. The Cavs had the worst, most mismanaged franchise of the early 80s. When it came to just trading away assets that became very, very good picks or trading away players that went elsewhere to win championships and getting rid of coaches that went elsewhere to become uh, Hall of Fame and legendary coaches. It was just a bad, poorly run franchise. I mean, they even ran their announcer off for a time period. Horrible. But, um, yeah, (laughs) the Cavs got Don Ford and Chad Kinch for Butch Lee and James Worthy. Pretty much. That's what happened. You know what? This is news to me. Like, I did not know that the Cavs would have had that pick. Uh, Butch Lee, by the way, um, was a Puerto Rican uh, guard who uh, played for Marquette in college and was a first-round draft pick. Had his best season for Cleveland in the 78-79 season where he averaged 11.5 points per game. That was his best NBA season by far. And after that, he played one more season in the NBA. And he was gone. Um, but James Worthy is just as good as it gets when you talk about forwards in the NBA history. Um, just a legend. Played with Magic in them Showtime Lakers and won, uh, I think, what, at least four. Four titles in his career uh, not five because I don't think he was there the first time Magic won one uh, could be wrong but yeah he's a three-time NBA champion seven-time all-star uh, scored tons of points 16,320 points um, like I said a Hall of Famer um, really really good <laughs> he was the star of North Carolina when Michael Jordan arrived talk about that um uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's Don Ford. Uh <laughs> not much to say. Let's look real quick if we see if we can see something about his career. Don Ford in the eighty eighty-one season with the Cavaliers. I mean it's so bad that my computer don't even want to stay on his page. I ain't trying to dish you Don Ford. I you know, it's just amazing that I'm just disappointed that the Cavs gave up a chance to draft James Worthy. Uh, and, you know, but Dan Ford, or Don Ford, shout out to you, Don Ford, for it. Hey, you made it to the NBA and you played in the NBA for uh, one, two, for years. OK, so shout out to you. And anybody think that you ain't good enough, screw them because, hey, they probably didn't make it themselves. Uh, but during the 80-81 season, Don Ford played 64 games with the Cavs. And, um, yeah, he averaged, not many points, uh, <laughs> three, <laughs> 3.5 points per game uh, in 15 minutes of action. And his best game of that season, he scored 14 points at Detroit in a 23-point loss. He shot 6 of 10 from the field. That day, and that was January twenty-fourth, nineteen eighty-one. Um the Cavs at the time were twenty and thirty-two, and Detroit was thirteen and thirty-nine. This is before the Isaiah Thomas era. Um now interesting players who were in that game. Bill Lane Beer, who went on to become a Detroit Piston and one of the most famous Pistons of all time and win two championships with them, was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, which once again, we talk about the talent that the Cavs just let get away. And Bill Embiid was one of those guys who that franchise could have definitely used as the decade went on. Um, (laughs) The Pistons actually were led by Phil Hubbard, who became a Cavalier uh, later on in um, he scored 25 points that game. Uh, the Cavs were met by Randy Smith, who scored 16 points off the bench. You look at this Cavs roster, man. Outside of Mike Mitchell, there's not much to remember uh, for that time period. But that's Don Ford. Um, played from 75 to 82. 474 more games than I ever played. So, big shout out to him. He is... An NBA player made it made it to the league you know next up Marcus Johnson Marcus Johnson is a guy who um, once again played a few years too early <laughs> because he is a guy that a lot of people do not talk about the original MJ and also known as Slammer he's a small forward and a shooting guard six foot seven nice size Uh, for his position, Uh, came out of UCLA, um, went to Crenshaw in Los Angeles, famous school, Uh, was the third pick of the 1977 draft. 1977 draft, um, this is the year before Bird was drafted. Uh, So in that draft, the number one draft pick was Kent Benson out of Indiana, and he played 11 years, average 9.1 points. Milwaukee drafted him with the first pick. Kansas City Kings had Otis Birdsong out of Houston with the second pick. And um, Marcus Johnson went to Milwaukee with the third pick from UCLA. Um, other players who were significant out of that draft, Bernard King is probably the best and most well-known he averaged 22.5 points per game in 14 years and 874 games. He was drafted by the New Jersey Nets um, out of Tennessee. Uh, Marcus Johnson is has the second uh, highest scoring average out of that draft. Only two players averaged 20 points or more. Marcus Johnson averaged 20.1. Another player who uh, is significant out of that draft. Uh, there are a few more. Walt Davis, um, who played with Phoenix and Denver out of North Carolina, averaged 18.9 points per game, played 15 years. Uh, another player out of that draft, Otis Bird, song we mentioned before, Norm Nixon, who was drafted five. He um, started with the Lakers and averaged 15.7. Jack Sigma who finally um, he eventually made it to the Hall of Fame, he averaged 15, seven, uh, 15.7 points per game, 8.3, uh, I think, re wait, 9.8 rebounds, sorry about that, he played 14 years, James Edwards had the longest career out of this draft class, he uh, won titles with the Pistons and the Bulls, I think he won three NBA championships, if not two, um, and he was drafted by the Lakers, um, What else? Uh, Cedric Maxwell, who became the NBA Finals MVP, was selected with the 12th pick of the draft for Boston. And um, he played 11 years. There were some talented guys um, from this draft who helped teams win. Robert Reed was another guy who helped Houston get to the NBA Finals. And he was in this draft. So, yeah, some talented guys that definitely contributed to winning. But back to Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson played 691 games in his NBA career. He missed two years in the uh, late 80s, from 87 to 88 to 88 to 89. Um, Those two seasons he missed with a neck injury, and he came back in 89-90 with the Warriors and only played in 10 games and was a shell of his former self. He was almost 33 years old, averaged four points per game in those Ten games and shot thirty-seven percent from the field. This is a guy who shot fifty-one percent from the field overall in his career. And averaged twenty points per game, so he wasn't the same guy um, after that neck injury. So, rookie season, nineteen point five points per game. NBA All Rookie Team uh, that year, and uh, played with the with the with the Milwaukee Bucks, as we said before. Um, and the Bucks made the playoffs his rookie season. And there in the playoffs, my guy averaged 14 points per game in the first round. Oh, no, stop. I'm lying. (laughs) He averaged 28.5 points per game in a two games to nothing sweep over the Phoenix Suns, and then the second round he averaged 22.7 points, um, he also averaged 14 rebounds his rookie season in the playoffs, 12, uh, well his rookie first round series, let's say, and then his uh, second round series he averaged 22.7 points and 12 rebounds per game, almost four assists per game, which is pretty good, um, and so you got a guard that can get boards like that. And they lost in a seven-game series in the Western Conference semis to Denver. Um, and, yeah, so he actually never got to a conference final until 84, when he was still playing with uh, Milwaukee. Actually, let me stop lying. He got to the conference finals twice in his career, 83 and 84. In 83, they lost to Philly one, get four games to one, and then Boston, they lost... In uh, 84, four games to one. Um, Marcus Johnson in 80-81, uh, one of his five all-star seasons. He was an all-star in 78-79, 79-80, and 80 81. And uh, during the 80 season, he averaged 20.3 points per game. His highest career scoring average was in seventy eight seventy nine, where he averaged 25.6 points per game. My goodness, um, that's pretty good. Um, five-time NBA All-Star, three-time All-NBA as well. Digging into the 88 eighty-eighty-one season, he played seventy-six games. Okay, and he was a uh, let's say his big his best game was a forty-point game, fourteen-point win over the Indiana Pacers. He had seven rebounds and seven assists, almost had a triple double with 40 points. Um, made 17 of his 25 shot attempts that day. Um, his teammate Quint Buckner, who has been mentioned in the series, we haven't concentrated on him. But Quint Buckner scored 20 points that day, and Brian Winters scored 19 points. Brian Winters is a part of a trivia question. He is one of many players traded. Uh, by the Lakers to Milwaukee for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, so for the Pacers, uh, you had James Edwards who put up twenty-three points. Billy Knight scored twenty-one, and Johnny Davis scored twenty. Uh, yet the Bucks win one thirty-five to one twenty-one. This is November second, nineteen eighty. The Bucks improved to eleven and two to start the season, and while the Pacers dropped two, eight, and four. That game was played in Milwaukee. Um let's see if we got another contest where we can see the talents of Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson that season put up uh he had three games with 30 points or more that year. Uh scored twenty in many games that season. Um had a lot of double doubles. Um one of his best ones was a 27-point... Uh, actually, let's talk about his triple-double that season. He did get a triple-double, but it was in a loss to Chicago, six-point loss, where he had 20 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. And um, that was in a six-point loss to Chicago. And in that game, uh, Brian Winters led the way with 26 points. Um uh, Bob Lanier was on the Bucks squad as well. He had 17 points, and Mickey Johnson scored 12. Off of the bench, Junior Bridgman put up 24 points for the Bucks. That were they were 15 and five after that game. The Chicago Bulls were struggling, seven and eleven, but they won that day. Uh, Artist Gilmore was still on the squad. He had 24 points, six rebounds, which is a little uncharacteristic. He usually has more rebounds than that. Another player that was on that squad was Reggie Theus, another high-scoring player, but he had 14 that day. And David Greenwood, who had a very good start to his NBA career, scored 15 points that game. Another player that scored 20 was Larry Kennan uh, for the Bulls. And Bob Wilkerson had 18 Mm -hmm. points off of the bench. Um, just talking about um, Marcus Johnson's career. He was on the Bucks squads uh, of the 80s. Those teams were very, very good, very consistent, but just could not get over the hump when it came to either the Celtics or the 76ers. Um, they won a lot, but unfortunately, um, it just... They just couldn't get over the hump. I think I believe they won like uh, six straight Central Division championships, <laughs> which I don't think any team has ever done without winning a championship um, in the NBA. So that's, you know, an interesting fact for them. This is, while the Bucks did win a title with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, the 80s was probably their most successful, consistent run of winning um, until you get to like present-day Milwaukee. Um, so overall, in his uh, years with Milwaukee from 77 to 84, uh, Marcus Johnson averaged 21 points per game. 7.5 rebounds and 3.7 assists. He shot 53% from the field. Uh, didn't shoot many threes because that wasn't a part of his game and it was brand new to the NBA at the time. So uh, overall as a three-point shooter, I think he was like 15% for his career. Uh, it really wasn't his thing. Um, but he had a, a strong career with the Bucks. Then he went on to the Lakers, not the Lakers, the Clippers in 84-85, where he made his last, um, actually, his last All-Star Game appearance was 85-86. At 29 years old, he averaged 20 points per game with the Clippers. Uh, had a pretty good year that year. Uh, 51% from the field, uh, 5.5 rebounds. And, um... Did pretty well. Um, the Clippers that year weren't good, but <laughs> they finished 32 and 50. Uh, the year before, uh, when he first got there, they were 31 and 51. And then the next year, in 85 86, I think that was the year where um, Cedric Maxwell got there and they had a squad of young guys and veterans. Uh, Norm Nixon was there. It was a young Benoit Benjamin who they thought was going to be like their center of the future. Uh, Derek Smith was another person. Um, but injuries and hard times, man. Jamal Wilkes was there. beset um, set the Clippers and they didn't rebound and they went 32 and 50. But I think they had a good start that year 85, 86. Um, let's see. Yeah, they started and they won their first five games, and then after that they went uh, twenty-seven and fifty. <laughs> so it uh, looked good at first, but everything came crumbling down as it tends to do in Clipperland. Uh, they are currently in the Western Conference Finals as we record this, so hopefully, you know, the Clippers can set foot in the NBA Finals. I think they are the oldest franchise that hasn't ever been to the NBA Finals. Um, but yeah, so let's see. Marcus Johnson uh, in 84, 85, an all-star. Oh no, actually that, he wasn't an all-star that year. But he averaged 16.4 points per game in 72 games. That was the last season. That Bill Walton was on the squad in L.A. Uh, most people know Bill Walton for being a Portland Trailblazer and a Boston Celtic. And that he was a Portland Trailblazer for the first five years of his career, I believe. Um, then he went to San Diego and became a Clipper. And he played for the Clippers from 80, 79, 80, all the way till uh, 84, 85, didn't play a lot because he was injured a ton, and he wasn't the same Bill Walton that won a championship in Portland. He just really that, that those foot injuries just got the best of him. Finally, he went to Boston and became a role player uh, and contributed in their nineteen eighty six championship. Um, but yeah, Marcus Johnson uh, got none of that. <laughs> he was sent to the Clippers. For fun, we're going to check out and see how Marcus Johnson got to the Clippers. Marcus Johnson got to the Clippers by way of, man, here we go. <sighs> Traded by the Milwaukee Bucks with Junior Bridgman and Harvey Catchings in cash to the Clippers for Terry Cummings, Craig Hodges, and Ricky Pierce. That is a good trade for both sides at that time. Terry Cummings uh, became one of the better power forwards in basketball. Craig Hodges is a very, very good outside shooter who ended up helping the Bulls win a championship. Um, and then Ricky Pierce, um, just an excellent shooting guard who, who really put up big numbers as a sixth man. Uh, I think he won sixth man in a year, maybe once or twice in his career. So if you can get Marcus Johnson, Jr. Bridgman, and uh, the run Harvey Catchings as well. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty balanced trade. A lot of the trades that we've gone over have been a bit unbalanced. Uh, so, yeah. So, he was with the Clippers until, um, you know, the neck injury got the best of him. Then uh, he signed as a free agent in 89 with the Warriors. They had him for a little over a month. Almost two months. And then they said, okay, Marcus, this is it. Um, as a playoff performer or actually as a um, yeah overall NBA career 21 point one points per game in six hundred and ninety one games as a playoff performer he averaged in six different years and ten different playoff series he played 54 games averaging 21 point one five points per game in the playoffs uh seven point nine points uh seven point nine rebounds per game and three point seven rebounds Assists. He was a good rebounder for a swingman slash guard. Um, so when when it came, you know, time to put out a big performance, Marcus Johnson never really let his team down. It was consistent in the playoffs. Um, did well for the most part. Um, when you look at all time statistics. Once again, he was a four time All League player. He was first team All NBA in 78 79, second team All NBA in 79 80, and second team All NBA in 80 81. So he was looked at as, you know, a top tier talent. Uh, He was a comeback player of the year in 1985 86. Um, One year he was, that was his first year, he was 10th in the NBA in total rebounds, actually. Um, he was a McDonald or not a McDonald's. He was an all American first team, all American in 76, 76, 77. Marcus Johnson was a quality basketball player who probably, probably should be in a hall of fame. Um, you know, when you look at players that they look at and they say, Oh, he was hurt. And that's why he didn't become as great as he could be like Gran Hill, Um, uh, Marcus Johnson is probably that guy too. Cause he was having a really good career and then the neck injury came and um, put him out of business. So, yeah, um, he probably should be an NBA Hall—I mean, a, a basketball Hall of Famer. He definitely did his thing at UCLA, and you can uh, get not um, acknowledged as a Hall of Famer based off of what you did in college as well. Final season at UCLA: twenty-one point four points, eleven point one rebounds per game. Um, so, yeah, um, Marcus Johnson. Did some great things over his career. Another thing about Marcus uh, Johnson is that he um, won, an, won an NCAA title, the 10th one that UCLA had won. I don't think they've won one since, and that was back in 74, 75 when he was a sophomore. And as, his, as in his senior year, he was the uh, USBWA college basketball player of the year and also won the first ever John R. Wooden Award. So he was seen as the top basketball player in the country at that time. Um, he's been an actor and that's where I remember him just growing up as an actor uh, <laughs> more so than a basketball player because I really didn't remember Like by the time I started paying attention to basketball he was on his way out of the league so he played in White Men Can't Jump Love and Action in Chicago also played in Blue Chips as well as another movie called Forget Paris I don't know anything about Forget Paris who was in Forget Paris? Billy Crystal. That sounds like a Billy Crystal movie. Um, so yeah, he yeah okay. That's the movie where he was the referee. Okay, I remember seeing that movie, but I can't tell you anything about it. And that movie did well. It grossed. Uh, it made thirty three million at the box office. Um, so it did fine. But yeah, it's a romantic rom com is what we call it. Romantic comedy starring Billy Crystal and Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger. Who is Deborah Winger? I, I mean, she played in this movie. I don't, I've never heard of her in anything else. But I, I'm not a junkie for actors, so I don't know some of these actors. But yeah, I guess that might have been her biggest movie. Because I look at the rest of these movies and, you know, she. I guess she did her thing. Um, they say she's in a movie called, and she's actually from my hometown, Cleveland Heights. Um, my mom lives in Cleveland Heights. That's crazy. Um, I'm from East Cleveland, but yeah, Cleveland Heights. Um, but yeah, she's from Cleveland Heights and she's 66 now and she's in the Netflix series, the wrench. Yo. Okay. I seen her in that. Yeah. I seen that. All right. So that was from 2016 to 2020. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And so Marcus Johnson was in those films. He actually majored in theater. So that's a cool thing. Um, and that's Marcus Johnson. Um, very talented basketball player and um, was able to do other things off of the court uh, to stay in front of the um, in front of the screen. Now, we go on to Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo, we talked about earlier, just man, the talent and another player whose career whose career was just affected by injury. Now, Bob McAdoo was drafted in the 1972 draft after a successful career in North Carolina. He was drafted second overall, six foot nine center-slash-power forward, uh, drafted by the Buffalo Braves, okay? Now, do you all know what team carries on the Buffalo Braves' legacy today? Anybody? Anybody? The Clippers! We just talked about the Clippers. So, Bob McAdoo was with the Braves, and in 1972, he was drafted, like we said before, and if you look at the 1972 draft, uh, the player that went before him, LaRue Martin, was drafted by the Portland Trail Blazers, played four seasons. Didn't quite – he wasn't that player that people thought he was going to be. He was a 6'11 guy out of Loyola, Chicago. LaRue Martin, uh, you know, they thought he was just going to be a big-time guy. Uh, Didn't quite work out, unfortunately. But um, he was drafted number one, and can't nobody take that away from him. Um, Along with LaRue Martin in that draft, let's see – We got Bob McAdoo, who I'm willing to bet is the best best player in the draft, of course. But here's another player that was drafted that year, but did not play in the NBA until later. Who actually, I guess you could say, was better than Bob McAdoo, but I don't know. He's definitely more culturally relevant. uh, And I hate that word relevant, but he's a bigger star and more, more remembered than Bob McAdoo. Um, because he lasted longer and all of that, but Dr. J. Julius Irvin was drafted in the 1972 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks. Second, um, wait, 12th pick, 12th pick of the draft. Um, and other players that were drafted in that pick in that draft about uh, Paul Westfall, was drafted by the Celtics. uh, 10th pick there. Um, James Silas, Brian Taylor, Kevin Porter, were some other big names. uh, Not big names, but just names that you may know if you're a diehard NBA fan uh, from that era. Chris Ford, who became a a coach with the Celtics and became a Boston Celtic, uh, was also drafted uh, the 17th pick by the Trey. So the two big guys in that draft, Bob McAdoo. And Julius Irving. Now, Julius Irving, nope, went on to the, to the ABA. Did not um, play in the NBA. And actually, Julius Irving was a rookie during the 7 72 season. So, Bucks drafted him the year after. Uh, just, I guess, hoping for the best. <laughs> Trying to get Doc uh, to play on their squad. Um... So if you look at uh, Bob McAdoo's first year with the Buffalo Braves, he scored um, 18 points per game, grabbed nine rebounds, and uh, played 80 games. His numbers are about to skyrocket after this. First of all, you know what? Before I go forward, I'm going to give a big shout-out to Branson Wright, who um, is a news reporter, filmmaker. Um, you probably see him on like projects on ESPN and Vice TV and all of that good stuff. Um he was a person I remember years back telling me about Bob McAdoo. I never saw Bob McAdoo play because I wasn't born yet, but he's always seen the praises of Bob McAdoo and just was the first person to kind of put in my mind like, yo, what would this dude have been? So you can look at this guy's numbers. He had six straight NBA, uh, NBA All-Star seasons, right? Um, But this guy tore through the NBA 73-74. Bob McAdoo averaged 30.6 points per game, won the scoring title, also won the rebounding title at 15.1 boards per game, blocked 3.3 shots per game, (laughs) and uh, shot a a league best 54% from the field. This is one of the best individual seasons in NBA history, and nobody talks about it. Bob McAdoo, 74 games with the Buffalo Braves, just tore the NBA up um, through the 73-74 season. The Braves only went 42-40. They lost four games to two to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Semis. Um, But... Better things were to come because they would improve to set 49 and 33. And the next year, they lost again in the semifinals to the Washington Bullets, four games to three. But uh, in this season, Bob McAdoo won another scoring title. He upped it like 34.5 points per game. rebounds, Uh, shot shot percentage down 51%, 251%. But still, very good. 2.1 blocks per game once more. Um, Man, sheesh. Um, Let's see, real quick, just for interest. During the 74-75 season where he was the NBA MVP, trying to see what his best game was. Scoring-wise, he scored 51 points against Houston in a seven-point loss. Grabbed, 21, grabbed 20 rebounds that day. He had a bunch of games with 40 points. Scored 49 in a loss to Cleveland. Uh, had 11 rebounds that game. And a win over Seattle. He had 49 points, 19 rebounds. Whew, man. <laughs> he had, a, he had a, a 48-20 game against Philly in a win there. Uh 47 and 15, 47 and 16, 46 and 14, 44 and 18, 43 and 19, 42 and 23. These are just some of the games. I'm not even like stopping to review uh who it was against now because it was too many games where he just performed like Wilt Chamberlain like numbers. You know what I'm saying? Um man, the dude was really, really good. Um and so yeah, he was the MVP of the 74-75 season. And um, rookie of the year in 72-73, if I didn't mention that. Uh, But yeah, a three-time NBA scoring champ. His third NBA scoring title came in the 75-76 season where he was uh, averaging 31.1 points per game. Uh, That year, his rebound totals dipped down to 12.4 boards per game. That's still really good. Blocked two shots a game. Man, Bob McAdoo was something special. Now, after that, he never averaged 30 points a game again, but he, between 76-77 season and 78-79 season, uh, the lowest he averaged was 23.7. The most he averaged was 26.9 with the Knicks. Uh, Actually, stop that. He averaged uh, 26.5 with the Knicks in 77-78. In seventy-eight, seventy-nine, he actually was averaging 26.9 with the Knicks, but then he was sent to Boston where he played 20 games, averaging 20 points per game, and uh, that's a 78-79 season. Overall, he averaged 24.8 points per game. Now, what sent him from Buffalo to New York is something that I'm interested in. So he gets traded from Buffalo, uh, which is in New York State, by the way, um, with Tom McMillan to the Knicks for Joe Gianelli and cash. What did Joe Gianelli ever do for the Boston or for the not Boston, the Buffalo Braves? Well, Joe Gian- Giannelli was a very, very middle of the road, uh role player who was a center. He averaged 10.9 points per game, uh, going into that trade in 19 games for the Knicks. And that was 76-77 season. And after that, he played one year with Buffalo. Well, the rest of the season with Buffalo, and then they shipped him out of there to Milwaukee. So he really didn't do much. I guess Buffalo needed the money because they gave up a very, 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 very good Hall of Fame player <laughs> for some cash. And that guy we just named... <laughs> Um, Cheesh, and Tom McMillan, who was a player I'm not really familiar with, he was a center, and he was sort of just like the guy that they traded. Um, <laughs> traded Bob McAdoo for. Uh, they sent him along to New York, so I I think they gave New York a bit too much uh, for Bob McAdoo. That cash must have been. A load. It must have been millions of dollars. I don't know. Um, and then, uh after playing with the Knicks for a few seasons, playing with the Knicks from 76 all the way to 79, uh, parts of three seasons, he was traded to Boston. Uh, Boston was struggling in 78, 79. That's the year before Bird arrives. So uh, he traded to the Celtics for Tom Barker. And a first round draft pick, which ended up becoming Bill Cartwright, who became an all star with the Knicks, and later on, people remember him as a champion with the Bulls. Uh, 1979 first round pick, which was uh, Larry Demick, who I don't know. Uh, Larry Demick actually played three seasons in the NBA and um, was a role player, and he was gone. So he was included in that um, that trade with Boston. And another player that was included in that trade with Boston. uh, Interesting name, Sly Williams, who was a first-round pick that was selected. So, once again, the Knicks traded Tom Barker, a first-round draft pick, uh, which ended up becoming... Wait, let's do this again. (laughs) This Knicks traded Bob McAdoo to the Celtics for Tom Barker. 1979 first-round pick that became Bill Cartwright. A 1979 first-round draft pick that became Larry Dimmick. And a 1979 first-round draft pick that became Sly Williams. How the heck? did um, (laughs) the Celtics have all these first-round draft picks, man. Uh, Sly Williams played just a handful of years in the NBA from 80 to 86, and um, he actually averaged 10.9 points per game. I think an injury may have put him out of commission as well. He actually finished his career with Boston, um, six games in 1985-86 season. Good role player could score a little bit. You know, in the teens, 13, 15 points a game or 13 points a game or so. Um, so, yeah, so Bob McAdoo goes to Boston, plays the seventy-eight, seventy-nine season, just 20 games with the C's. Average 20 points a game with the C's. Um, I don't think they made the playoffs that year. No, they sure didn't. Um, so after he's in Boston for a cup of coffee, he goes and he's traded uh, in a, or in 79, just before the season starts, to the Pistons. Now, so McAdoo was sent to the Pistons for a first-round draft pick that becomes Ricky Brown and a first-round draft pick that becomes Joe Barry Carroll. Now, that first-round draft pick that became Joe Barry Carroll was traded to the Warriors, who drafted Joe Barry Carroll with the number one pick, and they uh, swapped in and gave um, – Uh, Boston a pick that became Kevin McHale. Ricky Brown, I think, was a player who was a decent player, right? No, 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 no. I'm mixing him up with somebody else. Ricky Brown was a guy that played about five years in the NBA, averaged 4.4 points per game. So he was also, yeah. So it was... Ricky Brown and uh, Joe Barry Carroll pretty much for Kevin McHale for Boston. So the Bob McAdoo trade was instrumental in getting draft picks so that they could trade to get the draft pick of Kevin McHale. Um, also, the this, this exchange was arranged as compensation for Boston for signing free agent ML Carr uh, from Detroit in 1979. So, in a way, you could say they traded ML Carr for Bob McAdoo. Um along and then those other things went down so they can get Kevin McHale. Very important trade that led to championships for the Boston Celtics. He was waived by the Pistons in 1981, and I think that's when we talk about like the injuries that really, really start affecting him um, and just taking a lot from him. Uh, because 78-79 was... Um, actually, the injury started when he was 25. Um, he played 20 games for Buffalo, but he was still able to keep things up. Um, but yeah, in, in the seventy-eight, seventy-nine 79 season, he played 60 games. 79-80 with Detroit was his first year. He played 58 games, averaged 28, 21 points per game, grabbed 8 rebounds. In um, eighty-eighty-one. He played a total of 16 games, 6 with Detroit, 10 with New Jersey, uh, averaged 18.5 points per game. Then he goes to the Los Angeles Lakers, where he averaged 18.9 points per game in 41 games in 1981-82 season. So the, the the season that this card series is based off of is the eighty eighty one season, and he only played just sixteen games that year, unfortunately. Um, and Detroit had enough, and they were ready to move on. Um, so his best game in eighty eighty one was a seventeen point output <laughs> in a loss to Milwaukee. Um, he only started a handful of games that year or two, so he just wasn't the same player anymore. But he was still serviceable, and he went to L.A. where he didn't have to be the star. He didn't have to be the guy. Um, so, you know what? I was wrong in 80 81. He actually averaged 10.3 points per game. I think I was reading the per 36-minute stats. Um, so just to recap, 20 points per game, 20.6 points per game in Boston, 79-80, goes to Detroit, plays 58 games, average 21.1 points per game. His rebound totals are way down or like eight rebounds per game. Um, 16 games, 10 points, uh, four rebounds per game uh, in 80 81 then 8182 or 80 yeah 8182 he gets to LA plays half of the season in 8182 um and let's see he actually is a member of the championship squad in 8182 and that's the first championship he wins with the Lakers that series they beat the 76ers right And he averaged 16.3 points and five rebounds per game in that series. The series before in the Western Conference Finals, when they sweeped the Spurs, he averaged 20 points per game. So Bob McAdoo resurrected in 1982 with the Lakers. How did he get to the Lakers, you may ask? He got to the Lakers... Uh, because the Nets traded him. He was waived by the Pistons, signed as a free agent with the Nets in 81, March 13, 1981, December 24th, day before Christmas, traded to the Lakers for 1983 second round pick, which became Kevin Williams. Okay? Now, it's crazy that Bob McAdoo was traded for a second round draft pick, but that's where they thought he was at that time. They thought he was done, okay? And he goes to the Lakers in 81-82 and um, averages 9.6 points in those 41 games his first year there, all right? I might have said the wrong number before, but 9.6 points per game, he averaged there. And then he goes uh, to the playoffs and just tears it up (laughs) wakes up out of his slumber um, and helps the Lakers win a championship in a key role. Amazing, right? And then the next year, he helps the Lakers get back to the finals. Average double digits in the NBA playoffs that year. Um, But they fall short to Philadelphia the year that Philly gets Moses Malone gets swept, actually. It was crazy. Um, So... He was on those Lakers teams all the way till 84. And he helped, or 85, excuse me, helped the Lakers get back to the finals in 84 and helped the Lakers defeat the Celtics in 85, um, just as a role player, but averaging 8.2 points per game in the NBA finals. Um, He averaged 15 points per game in 82, 83. 83, 84, 13 points per game, and uh, his last two years, he averaged 10 points per game each as a 33 and 34-year-old man. He continued to play basketball, uh, according to basketball reference, until 1992-93, where he was 41 years old and he was playing in Italy, all right, and he actually was doing pretty well. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode, when we talked about Danny Ferry playing in Italy. I think Bob McAdoo's name came up, and Bob McAdoo actually was a star there. Like He was an official player, an established NBA guy, and he was playing his later years there doing well. Um, so Bob McAdoo actually was selected um, and, and inducted into the Hall of Fame over his career, five-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ. Uh, 1972-73 Rookie of the Year, three-time scoring champ, two-time All-NBA, and 1974-75 MVP Bob McAdoo. It is amazing and crazy to think what could have been had injuries not taken advantage of him. Just that second year, the year before the MVP season, 30.6 points per game, 15.1 rebounds, 3.1 blocks. And then the next year, 34.5 points per game. <sighs> the dude had it. The dude had it, man. <laughs> he did. Um, overall, he, man, If it, had he played, when, I don't know if they were giving out a defensive player of the year award. Were they? Maybe so. I don't know. Should have won it, though, with all those blocked shots. Um, career-wise, Bob McAdoo currently... Uh, is 70th, if, if you combine uh, ABA, and NBA players, 66th, if you just talk, just NBA players with 18,787 point, 18, points. Um, he had 8,000 career rebounds, 8,048 career rebounds, which is 71st all-time. And um, yeah, just had a great career, one of the best ever. To do it. And I actually, I just need to watch. I'm going to watch some Bob McAdoo video. Uh, if there's anything with him with the Buffalo Braves, I need to just check it out because I've never seen it. So um, just want to check that out and see for myself because the numbers, man, the numbers are no joke. During that three year stretch, he was that guy. <laughs> and once again, during the dark ages of the NBA when uh, people weren't really paying attention, uh, like they were paying attention uh, a decade later. So had Bob McAdoo played in, if, if 73, 74 was 85, 86, 87, 88, those years we would remember Bob McAdoo in a much grand, more grand way um, than just, you know, wondering what if. we had been like, yo, we know that dude was that guy, <laughs> you know. All right, so um it was fun to talk about these three players, Don Ford, the great Don Ford, (laughs) Marcus Johnson um, and Bob McAdoo from the 8081 season and just overall just talking about their careers, man. It's pretty cool. Another episode of My Basketball Cards is in the books and another one is coming soon. Thank you for listening.